All right, let me tell you about Relief Factor. I've ruled out a uh, uh, a gig doing Chippendales dancing, Glenn, and I know people are very upset about it. We'll get back to that in a minute. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, 100% drug-free, created by doctors. Four key ingredients that help your bodies fight against inflammation. And inflammation is where our pain comes from. And this, uh, honestly, miracle is called Relief Factor. Over 70% who order the three-week quick start go on to order more month after month after month. And that says a ton. I am one of them. I said to my wife, I will try it for three weeks. It's not going to work for me. It did. And I feel like I have my life back. Get your life back. Get out of pain. ReliefFactor.com. Try it for three weeks. Do the quick start. ReliefFactor.com. Or call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. Oh, man, I'm still broken up about Hillary. What's next? We're going to find out that socialism isn't so bad. Oh, wait a minute. We have that story coming up. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenbeck program. People weren't uh, begging her to run. People weren't screaming for her to to be president. People weren't begging, begging on their knees. Please, Hillary, please, Hillary, don't run for 2020. And she has listened to the people. Oh, the, the sad and shocking news on Hillary Clinton coming up in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. You know, I wish I could uh, wire up Simply Safe. Well, it doesn't have any wires, so I can't. But I wish I could. I wish I could get it so it could keep all of the predators out of my house, like Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and and everybody else. CNN. You know, wouldn't it be nice if you just? Yeah, this is a this is a home that none of that can penetrate. None of that can penetrate. Uh, but when you have the socialists knocking on your door, you can set the alarm and simply safe and the police will come. Uh, when you have somebody wanting to take your stuff, the police will come. When your house is on fire, the fire department will come. Somebody has a heart attack because they're like, I can't believe Hillary is still talking about why she lost. Uh well, the the ambulance will come. It's simply safe. Do they sell these things in Venezuela? They could use them. Uh, yeah, they sure could. <laughs> simply safe. One hundred percent committed to helping you fear less in your home. Simply safe. Simply safe. Become fearless. Simplysafebeck.com. Own the system. No contracts. No strings. No wires. You own the system, and you you take control of your own life by having twenty four seven professional security. They monitor it. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and there's no contract. It's $14.99 a month. You're going to save a buttload of money. Check out how much money you will save in the next year at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. So, Stu, this whole idea... Hillary Clinton yesterday coming out and saying, uh, you know, I have to 
tell you, the reason why I lost is because Michigan, they didn't want to they didn't want to vote for a woman. And oh, it, that's the it was the mm? don't we uh, the collection of excuses is you know, it really does grow by the week. Yeah, because I had heard just heard she voted. She blamed it on the Supreme Court for the Voting Rights Act. Oh, I that's didn't. why she oh, lost. really. Yeah, that was okay. her latest one that All I right. saw. Well, she was she was saying yesterday that it was the color of her skin and uh, what she has in her pants. Wait, the color of her so she did she lost because she was white. Yeah, and Trump was pink orange i don't know mm. uh, the difference there but it's got to be a different color anyway she has come out and she has finally said no matter how many people scream and yell for me no matter how no matter oh, what no. the people say i just can't do it i can't run one more time i just can't do it so she has officially said she will not put her hat or her pantsuit into the ring it's devastating for the three or four people who would want that to occur. Oh, my God. Those people are very upset today. Yeah. We talked to and Helen. Uh, Helen's the Hillary Clinton supporter that wanted her to, to run, and she said <laughs> she's very upset. No one else in the household or anywhere around her or in the club, which only consists of Helen, uh, is upset by that. But... Uh, Oh, and uh, also Bernie Sanders is hedging his bet. He's also running for the Senate. Uh, so he's... Uh, the Bernie and Hillary people are still having their issues, by the way. Because, you know, they were never really friendly. And now no. the, the Hillary people who were upset that Bernie gave Hillary such a hard time in 2016 are out planting stories against Bernie's run mm. in 2020. I wish I could say this made me sad. Oh, it's fun. This is a again a giant bowl of candy. You ever walk into like you know, like your grandpa's house and they just had a giant bowl of yeah. like M and M's, and then yeah. every time you walk by, you take another handful. Yeah, yeah. that's what this primary <laughs> is. What for it us. is? It's it amazing. Is. It Every is. day, there's a new story about yeah. someone who isn't socialist enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, little little digs mm-hmm. at the campaign. Mm-hmm. Little little fights. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things they're concerned about with Bernie Sanders is that he raised a bunch of money. From small donors in 2016, which allowed him to continue his campaign well past the time he had any chance of winning it. And that was a something that Hillary's people complained about. Mm. Well, now he's got all those small donors back because he obviously has all those lists again. He's added more small donors. They think that he can ride this thing out whether he's winning or not again, Mm -hmm. which is just going to make this socialist go on stage with a bunch of other socialists and have to out-socialize the other socialists. And that is going to be delectable yeah it's it like is. if you had a bunch of bowls of candy and one of them's m&m and then there's a peanut m&m and then they have the peanut butter m&m and you're and like which one which one no and I'm there's the mint m&ms them. and there's yeah. the crispy ones yeah. and there's the caramel ones which are delicious yeah so we'll we'll have that uh we'll we'll have uh more on socialism and which candy jar you need to grab from uh in a second but i do want to uh, report this from cnn There is no politician, not one, who has risen further, faster than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's an interesting statement, and I don't know that I could disagree with it. I mean, maybe you you could say Trump, but Trump was so well-known anyway. I mean, he's been in the public eye for decades and decades. Yeah, she is is as as known as anybody else, and, and maybe more so, with an exception of Donald Trump, but she came from nowhere. 
Right, she was a year ago. We had no idea who she was. Legitimately, last summer I was in New York City and walked by the restaurant she had just quit to start campaigning. It's a Mexican, or it's a tequila restaurant. Oh my gosh! What a racist! That it's a Mexican restaurant. Oh really? Is it? Yeah, it's called like Tijuana something. (laughs) Okay, racist. I'm pretty sure that's the location of that. All right, whatever particular place. Two years ago, at this time, she was bartending and waitressing in New York. Mm. Now, the New York Congresswoman is uh, the face of the liberal left in the Democratic Party nationally. Really, the face of the party. I mean, I, she's basically running the party at this point. At least she's trying to. She's she's running it in yeah, the I media. Think, uh, who else would be the face of the party? I mean, Pelosi. No, she's the face of the old party. Right, the face of the hip Democrats versus the hip replacement Democrats. Correct, correct. Uh, yeah, she. I mean, she does seem to be the center of all the energy in the party, for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. When a politician, or really anyone, becomes a star overnight, there's an inevitable backlash Uh-oh. that grows in opposition to the rise. And less than three months into her first term in Congress, the AOC backlash has begun in earnest. Now, listen to that. <laughs> listen to that. Do you remember what they used to say? about the tea party candidates that they had they were gaining power and they were all crazy and too extreme and there was this big battle going on listen to this when a politician or really anyone becomes a star overnight there is inevitable backlash that grows in opposition to the rise so they're not saying that she's crazy too extreme or anything else she's a star and of course these old people they they don't want her to take the light Mm -hmm. The spark came last week in a closed-door meeting of House Democrats. Ocasio-Cortez warned colleagues that if they continued to vote with Republicans on procedural motions in the chamber, they could wind up on a list of incumbents Uh ripe for liberal primary challenges. Speaker Pelosi, who has found herself on the side of AOC a few times during the early months of Congress, was making the same case to members. Members, especially those holding swing districts that look nothing like AOC solidly Democrat Bronx Queen seat, took umbrage. Umbrage. There is, without a doubt, a myth that Ocasio-Cortez somehow represents the narrative of the Democratic Party in the country. Alabama-based Democratic pollster John Alazone, who polled for Barack Obama 2012, his re-election race, told the Washington Post, over half of them identify themselves as moderate or conservatives. Once again, another example of people identifying themselves as something they are not. Yes. Mm. Uh, that data showed that 51% of Democrats identified themselves as liberal last year, 47% call themselves moderate, and 13% conservative. Um, here's the problem for the likes of uh, N- Enzaloni or whatever, and 2020ers, 2020 2020ers like former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, who's running as a pragmatic problem solver. The energy, the activism, yes, the money is all coming in from the mad as hell and not going to take it any more liberal base at the moment. That reality incentivizes candidates, particularly in the presidential race, to run as far left as possible because it's way over there on the left where they will get what they want in terms of political outcomes. Mm. This is interesting. I mean, it's a parallel example that you will not understand, Glenn. Uh, (laughs) Sean McVay, coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Rams, as of course you know. Right, right, right. uh, One of the youngest coaches in the league. In the league. I saw him. Got to the Super Bowl last year. Innovative coach. He was crazy. He is the the media darling. Right. right? Because of him, tons of other coaches Mm -hmm. are now being hired that are young and innovative on offense and everything else, right? Right. Because of, of Sean. Right. And uh, you know who hated that? 
coaches who have been working their butts off as coordinators and Mm -hmm. linebacker coaches and quarterback coaches who wanted head coaching jobs. Right. And they see McVay is cutting the line. Mm -hmm. And there was nobody happier uh, than those coaches when the Rams lost the Super Bowl and McVay got out coached by Bill Belichick. Now, I could take us out of the sports analogy that you're just nodding and acting like you understand for a moment. Oh, I know. I saw the Super Bowl commercials. The point... (laughs) <laughs> the point being, though, that is a real thing. No, it is. When someone the, comes up and is, is the phenomenon, the people who have been there and see themselves as, I've been working here. I've been slaving away and, and, and pushing for these changes my whole life. And now this 28-year-old comes in here and is going to tell me how to run this party? Ocasio-Cortez, some waitress from the Bronx, is going to come tell me how to run this party? I've been doing this for 20 years. That is a re- that's just a whole nother layer of candy. Now we've got like Mars bars. We've got no. We have the fun section. size. <gasps> we have the share size. Oh. Have you seen that yet <laughs> from M and M's? That no one ever shares. No one is ever going <laughs> to share that. It's a it's a giant bag with like a Ziploc top. And mm. why would you have the zip? Stop wasting the money. We're going to eat it in one sitting. <laughs> going to eat it in one sitting. My mother in law brought this. Uh, to me, and she put it on the counter, and it says share size. I've never seen that. I'm like, share size? That kicks king size and fun size to the curb yeah. permanently. That's fantastic. Now, that's that's a lot of M&Ms. Notice, by the way, you're a lot more passionate than the sports analogy on this Yes. Morning, right? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. Uh, the, uh, the five myths of socialism that the Washington Post would like to correct... You're not going to believe oh it. Oh, my God. Coming up in just a second. First, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is really tough, and there is one place that you can go where hiring is really simple, it's fast, and it is smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that one place is ZipRecruiter.com slash back. Now, ZipRecruiter... Um, used to be this service that would post on the biggest job sites all around the country. But because they became so big themselves, they are now the largest job center uh, in the country. So they post everywhere, but they also have this algorithm that runs through all of the people who are sending in resumes and are looking uh, at ZipRecruiter and elsewhere. And this algorithm goes out and finds what you're looking for exactly and says, here's a perfect match for you. And when you get all these back, they're all highlighted on the ones that the algorithm says is the best match for you. So you don't have to just pile through a bunch of stuff. They delete all the crap that you know, you'll know you get from other job sites. This is just the qualified candidate. And your the employers report that they get a qualified candidate now within the first hour. Try it for free, ZipRecruiter. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. B-E-C-K, ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The smartest way to hire. 10 seconds, station ID. All right, uh, so the, the Washington Post has come out with five myths about socialism. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, and then this is important for you to understand. A lot of people in the audience are conservatives, Glenn. They're not going to get this. They, right. they, they've they been told all these lies, and now they need to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Myth number one, mm-hmm. socialism is a single coherent ideology. Mm-hmm. Now, at no point did I ever consider socialism to be coherent. Uh, that's important. <laughs> right. right. That, uh, was the word I, <laughs> that was the word I focused <laughs> yeah. on, too. Very strange, but uh, they talk about, they give examples of people who are saying crazy things like, uh, you know, uh, democratic socialists, uh, a columnist Jenna Ellis wrote in the Washington Examiner, all are precursors to full-blown Marxist-Leninist communism. Uh, an editorial investor, investors Business Daily, all forms of socialism are the same. Many attacks on socialism as well. Polls uh, gauging its uh, surprising popularity take for granted that it's a unified philosophy. You know, again, not coherent, but unified. Yet socialism, this is from the Washington Post, has multiple meanings and interpretations, which have to be disentangled before a discussion about its merits can begin. You can't just judge it, Glenn. No, no, no. One distinction centers on whether socialism is a system that must supplant capitalism or one that can harness the market's immense productive capacity for progressive ends. Really? Socialism is about how you can take capitalism and make it work better. Really? That would be in, that would be interesting to a lot of socialists. Karl Marx, who predicted the historical forces would inevitably lead to capitalism's demise and the government's control of industry, was the most famous proponent of the first type of socialism. So that's just like, all right, Mar- the history forces of history going to change this. Capitalism can't last long enough. That's the Marx one. Then you've got Vladimir Lenin, who said he wanted a revolutionary vanguard to destroy capitalism. That's type number two, mm-hmm. according to the Post. And by the way, he was a democratic socialist. Um, just well, because people were afraid of communists, he said, we are too. That's why we're a democratic socialist. Totally movement. different. Totally different. Totally As we saw with yeah. the multiple decades sure. afterwards. Sure. Other socialists, however, did not accept the violent, undemocratic nature of that course. Right. Those the- were called progressives. <laughs> Although they agree that capitalism was unjust and unstable. Mm-hmm. The left's role in the view of these democratic socialists, the Czech-Austrian theorist Karl Kotsky, for, for instance, was to remind citizens of capitalism's defects and rally popular support for an alternative economic system Mm -hmm. that would end private ownership and assert popular control over the means of production. Mm. I would say once again, Glenn, these first three categories, there is no distinction as to what they are. It's just the means of how to get there. How fast do we go? Right. Right. Marx says it'll happen over a bunch of years with history because capitalism will fail. Lenin says it's got to be a revolution. Kotsky says, ah, well, you know what? We'll have a uh, we'll we'll tell everybody how bad capitalism is. Well, They'll realize it and then come to our way. Could it I, all ends in the end of production as far as private. Could ownership. I just go to the Webster's Dictionary? Now, I honestly search for this thinking, well, it's not going to say that they've changed everything. Right. So, so here is the current online Merriam-Webster's Dictionary Definition of Socialism. Socialism, any of various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. Two, a system of society or group living in which there is no private property. Hmm. To be a system or condition of society in which the means of production are owned or controlled by the state. Oh, well, I can't see the last one because uh, I just won a new iPad. Oh, congratulations. That's that's fantastic. I don't need to. I I don't need to win iPads, though, because I I keep getting these wonderful inheritances from princes in uh, Nigeria. Yeah. And I just buy as many as I want as soon as the cash comes in. Sure. Sure. Well, I can't read the last. one. Okay, but you get to get the point there. Uh, Here. Here is how 
again, you see, all those would be what everyone thinks is socialism, right? So they need to come up with a way to make Ocasio-Cortez seem okay in her approach. So although Sanders, Bernie Sanders, and Ocasio-Cortez embrace the term democratic socialist, the policies they advocate place them much closer to yet another socialist tradition, social democracy. Now, these are totally different because democratic socialists and social democracy have the same words in different orders. Yes. Which is totally different. Totally different when Mm -hmm. it's social democracy or democratic Socialism. socialism just like national socialism is totally different than social nationalism if the nazis came back today and said they were social nationalists we'd all embrace them yes surely yes we would okay so um uh social d- democrats say it's possible and desirable to reform capitalism this tradition no, no, dominated hey, hey, hold on just a second that does not say no. that in the actual bills that they are now trying to pass. No. It says an end of capitalism. Right. We, we've seen, we've read, we've read you column after column from actual democratic socialists who say very clearly what they want to do we've is end capitalism. The new green, the new green deal the says they're going to reform. Bill, the not, act- the th- not the thing that Ocasio no. Cortez, the actual bill. Yeah. It was ridiculous. This tradition dominated the post-World War II European left and influenced the American Democratic Party, most notably during the Progressive Era and the New Deal, inspiring Social Security, unemployment insurance, and the eight-hour workday. This is exactly what uh, the Democratic Socialists don't want you to think. They are, they've told us specifically that this is not, they're not just New Deal Democrats. They're much further than that. And they are in their the Washington Post words. trying to like put a little shine on there and say, you know what? They're saying they're socialists, but in reality, they just want Switzerland or Sweden. That's all they want. They want some big programs. And they love capitalism. Everything's fine. They're just using. You got to understand Bernie Sanders, an ideologue for 50 years pushing for this cause, just doesn't understand the terms he's using. That is legitimately their case. Now, you can certainly make a case like that over Ocasio-Cortez, who doesn't seem to understand the words that she's speaking on numerous occasions per day. <laughs> but Bernie Sanders doesn't understand socialism? I mean, that is it's insulting to the 947-year-old Bernie Sanders. And that's just myth number one. Myth Glenn. number two is socialism and democracy are incompatible. Uh, in a speech last month, a crisis in Venezuela, Trump argued socialism must always give rise to tyranny. Socialism is pseudoscience enforced by political tyranny. I wrote the Heritage Foundation, blah, blah, blah. Communists reject democracy, of course, but other socialists have strongly supported it. Look, it always starts as right. democratic. Unless it's a revolution, it is always starts as democratic. In fact, Maduro was... A democratically elected president of Venezuela. Normal guy, a bus driver. He was democratically elected. Then he decided, you know what? Hmm. I don't like this democratic election thing. I'm going to fix it. Now he's a dictator. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Problem is that only happens every time. But besides that, other than that, there's no evidence. Uh, relief factor. If you're in constant pain, you are not alone. I know because I was in constant pain. Millions of Americans, their pain has dramatically changed their quality of life. We have met with members of the audience who were veterans who just could, couldn't get out of bed because of pain. People who had worked in manufacturing, taken uh, relief factor is the only thing that can get them out of bed. They can return to work. These are extreme cases. 
My case, I think it's pretty extreme as well. I was ready just to walk away from it all. I couldn't live another day like this. Started taking Relief Factor. It has helped me with my pain. Please, get your life back. Try it. 70% of the people who try it, it works. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-583-84. ReliefFactor.com. Try it. Coming up next is Pat Gray. You can get his podcast, Pat Gray Unleashed, every day. And you can watch the show with Pat at blazetv.com slash Beck. Promo code is Beck. Now for something completely different. I have the honor to introduce you to one of the best people I know and a hard worker. His name is Mike Rowe. The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. This is a great podcast that gives a unique take on American history. He explores everything from pop culture to politics, athletes to actors, history to Hollywood. Each episode is 10 minutes or less about a famous person or an event that you know, filled with surprising facts that you likely didn't know until Mr. Smart Pants, Mike Rowe tells you about it. It's called The Way I Heard It. It's hosted by the one and only Mike Rowe, and he shares stories for, and I quote, the curious mind with a short attention span. The Way I Heard It, America's number one short-form podcast. Go to micro.com slash podcast and listen and subscribe to The Way I Heard It. That's M-I-K-E-R-O-W-E dot com slash podcast. That's micro.com slash podcast. So last night I finished watching the um, the documentary about uh, finding Neverland, um, and yesterday at this time I said I, I I believe them, but it was weird, and I wanted an answer from the parents. I couldn't. I, how did the parents not know, et cetera, et cetera? Um, then I watched part two on HBO's documentary, and there is no doubt in my mind. That these guys um, at least 100% believe it and the families believe it. I happen to believe them that this happened, but, you know, a mm-hmm. documentary, you're only seeing one side. Um, however, they completely rang true. And it's not just mm-hmm. these guys. It is their families as well. And the way it has disrupted these families and torn these families apart they're just not that good of actors. You you couldn't fake this interview. Do you agree? Yeah, and I don't I don't know why you would. I mean, I, I guess if there was money involved, but for them, you they're know, not getting any money. They're from not this. getting money from it. The statute of limitations is already up. Especially not after this. Like you could theoretically <clears throat> yeah. go to the family and try to harass them to give you a giant check. But I mean, after you're you on could. TV and the documentary's over, they're not going to give you any and money. I think I kind of tried that. I think Robson uh, went after. Uh, the Jackson estate in 2013 or 14 and failed and it was thrown out of court because of the Mm -hmm. statute of limitations. And so there, from that standpoint, there's not much to gain and you've sort of then created this thing that I don't, I don't think you'd want that on, no, when you on your reputation, when you were watching, uh, they didn't, they didn't enjoy saying any of this. No, that you could, you could feel it. I mean, when he was talking yesterday, Robson, the guy who was, you know, he did all of the choreography for Britney Spears and NSYNC and everybody. He's actually, he's turned into somebody. 
Um, And I watched it, and in the first episode, he's talking about, you know, how much he, Michael and he loved each other Mm -hmm. at the time. And it was very bizarre. Um, Spoke about that last night, too. Yeah, he did. And the reason why he said, I testified in his behalf, was first, the first time, um, because Michael had asked him, and they loved each other, and, and Michael had gotten out of his life and then he was suddenly back in and he wanted the attention from michael and michael was like had told him from day one since he was seven you know we'll both go to jail we can't let them divide us and um and then the second time he testified later um he tried not to he said to michael i'm done i'm out i don't want to be involved in this anymore and Michael's team actually subpoenaed him. And once he Plus was his sister said, Michael can't go to jail. He won't yeah. he won't survive in jail. And yeah. that resonated with him. Yeah. He said he that that they went to Michael's house for dinner, the whole family before. And uh, he said, I saw Michael and he said he was a shell of a person. And he's like, mm-hmm. my sister was right. He'd die in prison within days. And I just didn't want him to go to prison and die in prison. He also does a really good ex- uh, job, I think, of explaining that the first trial, when he was 11, he didn't consider it abuse. He considered it an expression of, you know, as sick as it is, an expression of love from Michael, a 35-year-old man, mm-hmm. to an 11-year-old boy. I mean, it's sad, but that's what his mind made of it all. Yeah, I mean, he was basically in a alternate universe, right? I mean, yeah. like where rules are completely different. Yeah. And yeah. He, he's not going to understand right. as a kid. Not at that it's age, the most powerful yeah. celebrity on the planet. And, and he loves you. And he said, I looked at him like a dad. And your mom keeps letting you go over there. Right. Right. So, I mean, right, it, like right. it all kind of aligns in your mind right. as this might be something that other people don't understand. But And, and the pain that they expressed in last night's episode... Uh, was truly genuine. The they other both guy, had ner- I, nervous breakdowns. Right. Yeah. In fact, two for Robson and uh, James Safechuck was kind of in a perpetual state of breakdown. Yeah, I, I felt bad for him he in was, his adult years. He, he is messed really up. messed up from this, yeah. and there was no. Remember, he didn't come out and try to sue the the Michael Jackson estate for anything. He never came out. He only came out after. Um, Robson came out right, and he came out and said, okay, uh, I have to talk to you because this happened to me too. And he couldn't figure out why he was so depressed and screwed up um, and why he hated himself. Right. And he, and he couldn't put it together and he couldn't make sense of what had happened to him with Jackson. Uh, And, um, and then, Robson came out and then they started to communicate and it was the same story. I mean, it's amazing how exactly the same those stories were. Yeah. You know what else was amazing to me is after the first trial in 93, whenever that was, 93, 94, uh, and they had both been ignored uh, mostly by Jackson for months or years at a time. Mm -hmm. And then after they both testified, he was back in both their lives. And big time and calling him every day again and having him come over again. And he picked up right where he left off with the sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even after the first trial. 
unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Really I mean, is, that's incredible. It really is bizarre. I mean, if you can't trust a millionaire musician to care for your child when he's sleeping over at his amusement park for a few months. Right. I mean, who right. can you trust? No. Well, that was the thing that I found interesting. The mother from Australia, Robson's mother, um, is she's, I mean, th- this added so much credibility because she's been ostracized from her son now. She's taking on all of the guilt. Um, the daughter is mad at the mother. The other brother is mad at all of it. Uh, and it's just destroyed this family. And then there's another family. The that, dad committed suicide. Yeah. And then there's another family who's uh, uh, who lived in California that they bought him. You know, Michael Jackson bought him a house and everything else. And they really considered them family. If you watch mm-hmm. how they how they set up the story in the first episode they just thought michael jackson was part of the family and mom when mom found out that this was happening she went nuts she went nuts uh she said she danced when she found out he he was dead um uh, she she really she took it i think appropriately mm-hmm. she blamed herself mm-hmm. for not seeing it um as well she should as and and she blamed Michael Jackson. Yeah, as well she should. Right. It's a part one was one of the creepiest, most disturbing things I've ever seen. I, I don't watch a lot of disturbing shows, uh, <laughs> and the, but this one was maybe the most disturbing I've ever seen. I didn't I didn't see Schindler's Schindler Schindler's List, so I. I don't oh, know. No, that's I mean, a that was a little, little more, more disturbing. disturbing. Yeah. yeah. Considerably yeah. more disturbing. Yes. But I haven't seen that. So this was one of the, I mean, you just feel icky after it. Yeah. Jackie couldn't do it for part two, but part two wasn't as bad. Part two as wasn't part one. as bad. Part two was, you could probably watch part two and get the gist uh, of everything. Yeah, probably. Um, but Without it, watching all of the graphic details that you hear in, in the first part. Which is so bad because these little kids. Yeah, when you're seeing he's pictures just of ruin them, these kids. This mm. kid was six, six when he was first introduced to Michael Jackson, and you see him, uh, you see the videotape of him going back to Australia and being mm. on like Good Morning Australia, and you know Michael gave me this hat and everything else, and you know that Michael had abused that kid. You know, he talks about what had happened on that trip to see Michael, and then he's abused. Then he goes back, and you see this little teeny kid on television. You're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it, it's phenomenal. Curious, because I did not see any of it. Um, it, it what happens now, our system of, uh, of justice, is a documentary is made, and then we figure out whether they're guilty or not, and mm-hmm. then we make judgments like, for example, like, you know, Bill Cosby, like their or or R. Kelly, and we pull all their music and their shows off the air, never to be seen again. That's happening. Is that happening with right. Michael Jackson? You think? Yes. Uh, supposedly, BBC Two banned his music, but they say they didn't. Uh, but it hasn't been played um, since. A I don't lot of think this we should do anything because of this documentary, uh, except learn, yeah. except learn. Yeah. But I mean, so Michael Jackson and his you know his state his state doesn't get punished. Now that we have extensive evidence that he committed horrific crimes, Who's, they're just going to keep playing like you we're going defi- to we're going to keep playing PYT like it's no big deal, and like we don't mm, know what's going no on. There's no defense. Mm-hmm. He's not here to defend or himself in the closet. It's going to keep running. 
you know, with the, <laughs> the lyrics, amazing. the lyrics of that are it's incredible. Amazing. Oh man! Uh, but like, I, I mean, is that what happens? Because I mean, it's one uh, thing to ban R. Kelly's music, right? Right. It's not that big of a deal, no, in a cultural way. I mean, but I guess it is Michael maybe with Jackson, some, but that's Michael Jackson's. You know, it's a lot of music. It's to ban. It's a, it's an entire era of music, and not to mention mm-hmm. it influenced the next era of music. I mean, he was. What do you do with that? I mean, they sample his song, and then how many other songs do, you, do, do I, those I, get ex, you know excised as well? I mean, I think you still listen to his music. I think his music is good. Um, he's dead, so he's not hurting anybody anymore. He's dead. I'm not glorifying mm-hmm. him by listening to his music. I am listening to his music because his music was good. Um, and it was part of our culture for so long. I still watch the Cosby show with my kids. You know, I didn't tell them until it was all over, you know, hey, by the way, you know, dad, <laughs> he, uh, he's not such Convicted a good guy. rapist. Yeah, he uh, was. Uh, so. he, he went to he went to prison. Uh, but the Cosby show is still really good. I mean, what's crazy about that is that entire decade. I mean, the two things you would use to define that decade culturally would be Michael Jackson and the Cosby show. Yeah. Right? Like those number two one things show the, and the number one, one artist. Yeah. And they're both completely destroyed now. Crazy. It's amazing. I mean, that whole just that whole era is just gone. Yeah. Mm. Not Reagan. No, I mean that's what I mean. Not Marty McFly. Yeah. No, that's that's no, true. We'll, we'll always have Marty McFly. Yeah. We will have. We that. will. Always we have will that. always have Marty yeah, McFly. That's a good thing. Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, Star yeah. Wars would certainly. Yeah. Be. I don't know. If, yeah. I, I love Back to the Future, but I don't know if it would put Back to the Future as the the lead of of that decade culturally. Well, uh, no, not the lead. Not as big as Michael Jackson, no. but still, Star Wars though, pretty obviously big. would yeah. be there. I would Star say Wars. in the eighties, uh, Back oh. to the Future was huge. It's pretty defining. It's yeah, iconic. It was it's not Star Wars though. No, no. I mean. Cosby Show was like the Star Wars of television of that era, was it not? I mean, it was the biggest yeah, show. Yeah, that's safe to say. Yeah, I think that's safe. And that mm-hmm. is like, and that's gone. And Michael Jackson was the Star Wars of music, and mm-hmm. now that's gone. I mean, mm-hmm. Madonna was huge too, but I mean, I, Michael Jackson was, I would say, the peak of that. And like they said multiple times during the special, uh, there's no one like that today. And we may never, we'll, I don't think we'll ever have a star. No, because everything's so frag. Fra- it's too Everything's too yeah. fragmented. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you can be a huge star in a little pool over off to the side that's not even little, but you can be a huge star and half the country have no idea who you are. Where even, I think we were the last generation, Bill O'Reilly, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, um, we were the last of the people on cable news that were big across the whole country. It's not like that anymore. No, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm doing Christmas shopping this past year, go, you go down the toy aisle of Target or, you know, whatever toy store is open and still selling toys in a, in a, in a place. Every freaking other toy has the face of some kid that your kid watches on YouTube on it. Mm-hmm. These are all just like kids mm-hmm. who open up presents and, and, and their whole thing is they review toys or whatever. <laughs> Those and are their stars faces of today. are all I, over the place. And I, 90% of this audience has never seen them at all. But if you yeah. have little kids, that's what they watch. And those are the celebrities right now. It's an entire, entirely parallel culture that is built. And they all have deals with like Mattel. Like mm-hmm. all of the, their, their faces are on you know every also, toy in the aisle. You know who they also have deals with? You know who represents them in most cases? Mm. Ellen. 
Oh, really? Ellen goes out. I say Satan. No, Ellen, <laughs> Ellen goes out and uh, her team looks for the next big little kid stars mm-hmm. and reps them and gets them these deals. And then brings them on the show, probably. Brings them on really? the show. Mm-hmm. Introduces then, to the parents. Yeah, wow. and then makes money off uh, of the kids. She's too wow. smart. That's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> annoyingly smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Pat Gray on Pat Gray Unleashed, annoyingly smart. Uh, you can get him uh, on YouTube, or you can get him. Can we get you on YouTube, Pat? You can get him on YouTube reviewing toys, but also on his podcast. All right, leading social media company is going to end the market research program. Um, and, and let me just be frank: Facebook started a VPN, and now it's a virtual private network. And what they were doing was they were looking to track people and your your teens. And so you could have a virtual private network, but they were tracking the activity. Well, a virtual private network is so that nobody can track you. So it defeats the whole purpose. Well, they're going to end that because, oh, you know, we just figured that out. That might be offensive to some people. Right. right. Somebody said to me, who do I trust with a VPN? First of all, if you don't know what a VPN is, it's something that everybody should have. You should start using a VPN. Go to Norton.com slash VPN. Now, Norton is the name that we have trusted for cybersecurity for a very, very long time. So it's Norton.com slash VPN. Price starts at about $333 a month. If, if you have an annual contract, you download the app, you sign in once, and you're online with all of your, you know, your computer, your phone, everything. Virtual private network. A must in today's world. Only from Norton.com slash VPN. Norton.com slash VPN. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, the uh, program. We uh, we have some more some more crazy news from uh, Washington. Uh, you know, Casio Cortez refusing to denounce Maduro. Uh, but we also uh, we also have a great story of yet uh, another hate crime victim. Oh no! And I this I, is everywhere, Glenn. Everywhere. everywhere, it's everywhere. Chicago. Wait until wait until you hear. <laughs> The latest from the mayor of Lamar, South Carolina. Oh, no, not that. It was, this is a hate crime that will go down in the history books of hate crimes. Oh, no. It's, uh, it's pretty tragic. And it's, it's it speaks volumes. Next. You're listening to Glenn Beck. I want to talk to you if you are thinking about selling your house. There is one real estate agent that is right for selling your house. Now, who is it? Bob. Well, I don't that know if it's Bob. That is who it is. I don't know if it's Bob. Find Bob. Okay. And he will sell your home. All right. And don't know if it's Bob. Uh, you could go with Stu, mm-hmm. and then you could just go to Google Bob's Real Estate, yep. or you could go to realestateagentsitrust.com. These Another are the, option. <clears throat> these are the people <clears throat> that we have hand-selected from all over the country. We have a couple thousand of these real estate agents all around the country. They're the best in your area, and we check them out for, for different things. First, you know, what is their track record? Um, how many, uh, you know, how, how long have they been doing it? How many houses are they selling? Do they, do they use advertising to sell your home and not advertising them, but your home, all of these things. Plus 
can you trust them? Are they are they good members of society? It's realestateagentsitrust.com. They'll help you buy or sell your home quickly for top dollar, unless you're buying it. They'll get you the right price. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, I know this doesn't sound like fun, but it actually is. I have a hate crime from North Carolina that is just, I mean, it's, you're going to enjoy, you're going to enjoy this story. Emphasis on story. And we'll do that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I love to paint. It allows me to relax. It allows me to escape into another place for a while, uh, away from all the chaos of life. And the world just kind of melts away. And in the last few years, I haven't been able to really paint because um, my pain gets so bad. Sometimes my hands shake that I, I just can't I, I can't I can't paint a straight line. Um, and I was really getting frustrated. All of the things that I love to do were slowly being taken away because of pain. About a year ago, my wife said, try Relief Factor. Will you just try it? And I'm like, it's all natural, and the next thing I'm going to be doing is drinking celery juice and eating kale. She's and like, here you are. <laughs> and she's like, you're right. That is what you're going to be doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't speak for the celery juice of the kale, but I will tell you, that um, in the last five years, this is the best I've ever felt. Relief Factor. ReliefFactor.com was the thing that did it for me. It reduces inflammation. It's 100% natural. You take it three times a day, every single day, and it will relieve your pain. Now, I want you to know that this only works for about 70% of the people. So you've got a 70% chance of it working. To me, that is worth the price of admission, which is 19.95. You try it for three weeks. After three weeks, you're going to know if it works or not. But 70% of the people who try it go on to order Relief Factor month after month after month because they see relief. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800-583-84, 800-583-84. It's ReliefFactor.com. All right, let's do Mm-hmm. This is ugly. I warn you. Very ugly. Hate crime patrol. Darnell Bird McPherson. She's the mayor of Lamar, South Carolina. She's the volunteer mayor. I don't know what that means. Do you just. Uh, I think like, that means she calls herself the mayor, but right. isn't actually the mayor. <laughs> I, I have <laughs> a feeling that could okay. be it, or everybody just stands around and is like. Anybody want to do this job? (laughs) I do. All right. Anyway, she says she was a uh, victim of a hate crime after she found yellow uh, sticky substance that had been sprayed on her car early last month. McPherson had returned to her home February 7th and told Newsweek magazine that her husband went out to get uh, some things out of the garage and the car. They had both left their car outside of the garage the night before, and he came in and said, somebody has painted our cars. (laughs) 
She went out. She said it was a grainy substance like an industrial spray foam used to patch concrete. Uh, was news it in, uh, in like a like a swastika. Well, I mean, Newsweek said it looked like little pebbles and the stuff was also on her husband's car. McPherson told Newsweek she said it was a hate crime because, number one, there is a history of racism in our little town of Lamar, which I think you want. <laughs> I think you want the mayor of Lamar going out and saying, oh, it, you know, when you think of Lamar, think hate crimes. I think you move it right over to the Tourism Bureau. Right. Because that's uh, really nice. By uh, yeah. the way, that's not how our justice system works. I don't know if anyone understands that. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. you know what? Well, there was a crime. Uh, in this town 50 years ago, so that must, must mean be. this is a hate crime today. Yeah. So she says it's a hate crime because, number one, history. During the 70s, crosses were burned in the yards of uh, of our home when my mother was involved with the civil rights movement. It's the very same corner in this very same front yard. So it happened in oh, the wow. 1970s. And it was on the same location. So yes. I think if it's only a few decades and it's the same corner, you automatically assume it's a hate crime. Her statement noted the incident happened last night. Uh, my husband uh, and I... Uh, and our neighbor noticed that the cars looked like someone had spray-painted both of our vehicles, which were parked right in our front yard. She said, it ignited the same fear in my spirit. My God, who would do that, I thought. It was, it was something, it was, it was unnerving to me. And while no words or symbols were drawn with the substance, she told the magazine, to me, hate was the message. Newsweek said McPherson had no possible motives for a person or people targeting her. She said, I really have a good reputation. I've never been subjected to something like this. Now, she called the sheriff. The sheriff came. Sheriff, uh, Sheriff's Office Lieutenant Robbie Kilgo told Newsweek, that uh, when they call, were called out, um, there wasn't a reason for us to collect a sample because it was pollen. <laughs> it wasn't even paint? She had <laughs> left her car, which was normally in the garage, uh-huh. uh, outside, and yeah. it was pollen. Uh- <laughs> now... So she got pollen on her car and reported a hate crime? Yeah, well, who would do that? It was a sticky yellow substance that was covering both her and her husband's car. Right, but again, like, why would you... Uh, there wasn't a swastika, obviously. What was the... You, bel- 1970, they were burning crosses. On that corner. You're, you're saying that they're not going to put a pollen-like substance on her car? Look, she knew. I, I she knew it was that. hate. Although, who knows? Mother Nature might be wearing a hood. You don't, you don't know. We don't know. You don't know. Um, McPherson has said she does have another possible suspect in mind. Wait, she's still sticking with this after the pollen thing? You don't know the rest of the story. There was a police officer, unnamed. There was a police officer who came to me and said, quote, there are rumors out there that someone's trying to assassinate you. So she has asked local law enforcement to file a complaint about the death threat as well as the yellow sticky stuff that the police strangely didn't want to take a sample of. 
She so says, she thinks the police are doing this to her. Uh, they've no, they just they just are turning their their eyes away from somebody who is spraying pollen all over her car. She said, "I don't care about my car anymore. What I want is my life." So, there's your there's your volunteer mayor from, uh, from North. Carolina. So she is after the pollen analysis mm-hmm. is sticking by the hate crime thing. Well, because it wasn't an analysis, the police came and they ran their fingers on the car, and her husband even says, "Yeah, it looks like it was pollen." They ran the fingers on the car. The uh, the other neighbors also have reported a strange yellow <laughs> sticky substance on their cars when they leave it out at night. Um, but uh, she is, she, well, she, I should say, she. I mean, she thinks it was something else, and she thinks she knows who did it. But there's this rumor out that somebody's trying to assassinate her, and she doesn't care anymore about the car. She wants to know who's trying to assassinate her. So we have a, a rumored assassination of a volunteer mayor. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. This is... Now, you might think that that has gone too far, that our society has gone over the deep end. <clears throat> but then I bring you this story. Jareth Nebula, 33, has shunned human genders and now wants to be accepted as something else. 33-year-old, a 33-year-old who was born a woman but transitioned to become a man when she was 29 and then became a he, now believes he doesn't fit into either gender. And in fact, he has had his nipples removed because Always he... Always a good move, by the way. You just don't need them. People don't understand this. They're, you just don't need them. They're, they're like, they're like the, the tonsil. Just remove it whenever your first, cha- your first chance is to just take those things off. You just don't need them. So, I it, mean, no Barbie or Ken doll has them. I mean, how do they live? Right. right? You know, I mean, like, right? oh, this is magically they're the only people who don't need nipples. No, no one needs them. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> so he has taken his nipples off and shaves his eyebrows because... It, those things make him feel human. He claims now that he belongs to another planet. I tend to agree. I, I tend to agree as well. Uh, he's now living alone and wants people to... <laughs> Wait, what? Hmm? You're, you're... That's a stunning development. Yeah, no. he's Well, there's nobody else like him. You know, on this, on this planet. planet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are many like him in the universe, but uh, not a lot, not a lot uh, like him. So uh, anyway, he has—he uh, just wants people to accept who he is, and he would prefer if everybody called him a thing or <laughs> it rather than he or she. Now he—that's the least we can do for it, this nippleless it. He or it has legally changed its name four years ago. After coming out as transgender, he said, it said, I firmly believe at that time that I finally found myself, but then I was wrong. I wasn't male. I wasn't female. I wasn't even human. I don't think or feel like humans. I can't really explain it to others because I'm simply otherworldly. But I didn't feel comfortable as either gender or anything in between. 
I, I know I'm stuck in a human form, and that's how I'm perceived by others, but I am an alien without a gender. Uh, Jareth says he didn't fit in when he was uh, diagnosed with EDS, which is a lifelong condition affecting connective tissue and resulting in stretchy skin and an increased range of joint mobility. Uh, he was born with this quint, uh, condition, but not diagnosed until he was 26. He has been nicknamed Mr. Elastic, which has got to hurt. I'm just, I'm upset they're calling him Mr. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah, just, you can call it it Elastic. It elastic. elastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was nicknamed Mr. Elastic by his doctors due to his stretchy skin, mm-hmm. a con- condition that uh, causes him chronic pain. Um, he said it's it's one benefit that he has as an alien because his skin is wrinkle free and it makes him appear younger than he really is. Now, I don't know no word yet on mm-hmm. how old he really is. He may be thousands of years old. Fair point. Um, uh, Jareth does not want to disclose his birth name. He said B- the con- it's birth name. It's sorry. It's birth name. Uh, now I realize it says why I could pop my uh, joints out on purpose. It was a fun party trick as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that happens to me not because of EDS, but because I'm an alien. <clears throat> if you are any Democratic presidential candidate running in 2020, why? what other reaction is there to this? Then, well, that's just wonderful, and I accept him for what he says it. he it sorry it, what what it says it is, an alien with stretchy skin and the ability to disconnect all joints at any time because he's thousands of years old, and I, I mean that seriously. It really is what their stance would have to be. Why on earth would you accept a man transitioning to a woman? And just by a feeling in their head, as I believe Ellen described it, gender is just a feeling that you have in your head. If this person has a feeling in its head that it is an alien, why wouldn't you accept it? No, you'd have to. You have to. To be, con- have to. to, to be consistent, you have to accept that that is what it says it is. Now, here's the question. Is it, is it more compassionate to just to go along and... Call her who transitioned to him mm-hmm. and is now it. So call her it. Is it more compassionate to go, you know what? Yep, you're from outer space. You're in it. And you should have your nipples removed. And you should do all of these oh, crazy so. things to your body. You should, you should do that. Is that more compassionate? Or is it more compassionate to say, you you there 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 is you need help you need help you need help and and then there is therapy that can possibly help you i i can understand that you really feel this way because i really i really understand i've had clinical depression and i know the power of the mind and what the mind can do but the more you think you're an an otherworldly alien. Oh my gosh. The more you will believe you're an otherworldly alien and that's not healthy. So your question is is hate more compassionate? <laughs> is what you just did which was hate 
right. more compassionate. <laughs> right. I'm more well, cons- the next thing you know, I'm going to say that on the radio. The next thing you know, I'm going to be taking pollen and spraying it all over his car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so <laughs> That's true. Can we dispatch with the uh, hateful language to an alien? I mean, undocumented traveler, maybe? Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, recently, 127 million records were stolen from eight companies. They were put up for sale on the dark web market for about $14,500 in Bitcoin. Think of that. 127 million records for $14,000. Wow. Now, the records were stolen from breach companies and contain email addresses, usernames, passwords, and so much more. The dark web market provides anonymous access to uh, illegal items such as services ranging from drugs to murder now is your identity there someone's identity is stolen every two seconds and you will certainly miss the identity threats if you're only monitoring your credit yourself or you're just monitoring credit that's why there's lifelock lifelock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web if they detect your information is being used, they're going to send you an alert, and then they have somebody who is based here in America that is going to clean it up for you and make sure that you are protected. Nobody is better at doing this than LifeLock. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best in the business. So call them now, 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go to lifelock.com. Now use the promo code BECK either in your call or your, um, uh, your, uh, your internet um, connection with them, and you'll save 10%. It's 1-800-LIFELOCK or online at lifelock.com, promo code BECK. 10 seconds, station ID. This is the Glenn Beck Program. As we've had a conversation about it, the undocumented space traveler who is here, <laughs> yes. uh, formerly a man and previous to that, a woman, mm-hmm. but really the entire time, an it. Uh, let me run this one by you. This is a story about Brendan Johnson. Brendan Johnson is a 18-year-old senior wrestler from the Classical Academy in Colorado. He was going for the state championship in wrestling. Uh, and he was had a good shot at winning the actual state championship. Got to, I think, to the final four. And his matchup in the final four was a girl. And so he decided to forfeit the match rather than than wrestle a girl. And he said it was because of his his faith. He said he's never wrestled a girl since he picked up the sport in seventh grade. And he said the physical aggression required in wrestling isn't something he's comfortable showing toward a girl on or off the mat. Wow. Wow. What does a what does a social justice warrior do? I know because I mean, we're told that men are so I mean, basically, the Me Too movement has proved one thing that all men abuse all women at all times and all women cannot protect themselves because they just do not have the power and the stamina against a man. But they can do anything a man can do. Of course, of course like so. wrestle. Right. So uh, the, now it, you kind of feel it's a weird one because it's not the opposite. The opposite is, I think, really problematic where a male is, quote unquote, transitioning to being a female and then beating up on women 
yes. in the women's wrestling. Correct. Which circuit, is happening. Which is happening, and that is something that's happening around the country. They don't have a women's wrestling division here, so she has decided she wants to just go play in the men's and, and compete naturally in the men's division, or the boys' division. So she, it's not, it's not one of those things where a guy is trying to take advantage of some transgender thing to win or to go beat up on women, which is for some reason acceptable. Um, and the other way, though, it is she's trying to compete, and she, you know, her point is to, I've, every, the whole time I've wrestled, it's just me trying to prove her point that I'm just a wrestler, I'm not a male or female wrestler. And so the fact that my gender is something that kind of holds me back is still a little nerve wracking, but I respect it's his decision. It's fine. So I can, you know, you almost, like if a, if a, I feel like in a physical sport like this, the lines are a little bit different, but if a, if a woman wanted to go play in men's tennis and uh, the, there was no female tennis division, I mean, I don't think a guy would have any problem, uh, you know, beating her handily as, Wasn't, as by the way, I mean, has happened in, in the pros. Yeah. Hasn't that happened with uh, Serena? Venus and Serena Williams played, I think the guy was ranked like 215th in the world. This right. is when they were at their peak. Right. And he dispatched with both of them very easily. And he also said he went out drinking the night before. <laughs> just, to, just to prove a point. Wow. The whole, wow. We have this romanticized idea of Billie Jean King playing who, a guy who I think was, you know, I mean, he, he was like 70 at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like this idea that women can compete in men's tennis. I mean, it's been thoroughly at this point, uh, at least at this time, debunked. debunked. Um, however, this is a this, this is an interesting situation. She's trying to compete. She made it pretty far in the tournament. I I mean, if I if I was the father of this boy, I would be so proud of the way he was looking at this. The fact that he just is so against showing any aggression towards a woman, he's going to give up, and that's what he did. He lost. He forfeited the match. He gave up his chance at a state championship, something he had worked for years and years and years to try to achieve, just because he didn't want to show aggression to a woman. I would be incredibly proud. Where's the justice in that? But where's the justice? Where is the justice in that? You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about filter buy. Um, uh, It's going to come as a surprise, but I'm not really handy. Uh, You're kidding me. No. uh -uh. Wow. Wow. Give me a minute. I need to take a minute. Uh, Well, let me tell you about FilterBuy while you're doing that. Um, I'm a big fan of FilterBuy because you go to FilterBuy.com, you sign up, you tell them the size of your filter, and then the next day it's delivered to your home. And you can save on the filter. You'll save, I think, 5 or 10%. I think it's 5% on uh, on the delivery if you say, I want it auto, you know, auto send. So... Whenever it is you're supposed to change the filters, they'll just send it to you. So it'll just show up at your front door. You don't have to be handy to do this. You don't have to remember anything. You just, oh, man, there it is at the door. You bring it in, you change the filter, and you're done. Only with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. Do it now. Another thing you should do right now, just to make sure uh, you can get uh, your new uh, alien story tomorrow, blazetv.com slash Beck. Promo code is Beck. Sign up now. Well, it's a sad day here on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, Hillary Clinton has uh, said she's not running for president in 2020. And... Um, that's something that actually probably the Trump administration is legitimately sad about. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> yes. They really are. Please run. Oh, please, Hillary. I, I mean, I just, 
she is just so out of touch. But then again, all of them are. All of them are. And the media is out of touch. Listen to this. This is from Ocasio-Cortez. She was asked to denounce Maduro. Now listen to what she said. What are your thoughts on the Venezuelan crisis that's happening yeah. right now? And if you would denounce the Maduro regime. Yeah, so I think that, that this is absolutely a complex issue. I think it's important that uh, that we approach this very carefully. One, I am, um, I'm a, myself, just like anyone else, who is absolutely concerned with the humanitarian crisis that's happening. And I think it's important that any solution that we have centers the Venezuelan people and centers the democracy of, of Venezuelan people first. I am very concerned about U.S. interventionism in Venezuela, and I oppose it, especially when we talk about um, a figure like U.S. Special Envoy Elliot Abrams here. Um, I think it's He's pled guilty uh, to several crimes related to Iran-Contra, and I don't think that we should be, you know, I am generally opposed to U.S. interventionism as a principle, but particularly under this administration and under his leadership, I think it's a profound mistake. Mm. So it's a profound mistake. I bet the the, uh, people who are living under that socialist utopia uh, love you for that. I bet the people in Venezuela love that you know the the socialists they all told us that venezuela was the model Mm -hmm. now they're claiming it's not really socialism that's one of my favorite things about this one because they all you know you can it's easy to go back and say well the soviet union did it wrong it's easy to say that they were all on record saying venezuela was doing it right they were going to visit venezuela and say what 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 a wonderful example it was for us to follow Mm mm-hmm and now that it's collapsing, now they're saying, well, you see, you don't understand the distinction. And we went over some of the myths yeah. about socialism, where one of them is, it's, it, myth number four on the list is, when socialism is, is tried, it collapses. And they say communism certainly failed, but social democracy, which is different than democratic socialism, well, because no, the no, words wait, are in different on. orders. Just so you know, the difference between... A social democracy or a democratic socialist uh, country is that the leadership hasn't backed themselves into a corner far enough to where they have to suspend voting. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens that's with, with Maduro, right? He, right. he was he was as you democratically out, elected bus driver mm-hmm. guy who pulled himself up from his bootstraps. And, and the socialists loved him. Oh, yeah. All the socialists loved him. Mm-hmm. The Chavez people loved him. He was he was very, very popular. He was the guy. And then when it all started to come crumbling down, what happens? Oh, he suspends elections or in his case, he just buys the elections. One of his uh, one of his uh, slogans in the poor areas was roughly translated into you give, I give, meaning you vote for me, I'll give you food. Okay, this was an absolute corrupt election. And now everybody is using that to say, oh, well, this isn't socialism. This isn't democratic socialism. No, this is the way democratic socialism always ends. Mm -hmm. And again, Marx was very clear that socialism was just a pit stop on the way to communism. And democratic socialism is just a pit stop on the way to socialism. And social democracy is just a pit stop on the way to democratic socialism. And the Democratic Party of today is just a pit stop on the way to social democracy. 
It's progressivism. They're just moving this, and they're going towards that goal. And well, eventually, if they get their way, they will get all the let way Let me ask there. you this. Let me ask you this. Are the Democratic Socialists happy? Are they done in England? No. Okay. The, the, the Democratic Socialists say, we want the National Health Service like we have in England. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not happy about it in England because it hasn't gone far enough. Are the Democratic Socialists happy in France? No. No. They're not happy anywhere. They're not happy anywhere mm-hmm. because they haven't gone far enough. Right. And this is the thing. when Because uh, they mock this. In, in, I think even in this piece, you know, they mock about how people, you know, back in the day, people said Medicare was socialism. Well, guess what? Medicare was a step towards Obamacare. And Obamacare is a step towards Medicare for all. And Medicare for all is a step towards Canada's health system. And Canada's health system is a step towards Britain. And on and on and on and on. These are all just little incremental steps, progressive steps towards an end. And they every single play. I mean, it's so it's so laughable now, Glenn, because these things are happening so quickly. The current system... That every single 2020 Democrat is is saying is uh, is 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 a must is a must for our society Medicare for all is to replace a system they told us eight years ago was the solution. They told us Obamacare was going to fix these issues, and one president later, they are telling us we must go to single payer health care. When we said at the beginning, this is just a Trojan horse for single payer. And then the Tides Foundation was ha- was was kind enough to point out it's not a Trojan horse horse for single payer. I'm just telling you it's right there and we, we will were, get there. And we were called conspiracy theorists yes. for saying that and playing that audio. Now they're calling us a conspiracy theorist for saying Wait a minute. You have democratic socialists. You have Ocasio-Cortez saying capitalism's not going to be around forever. Mm-hmm. You have democratic socialists saying their goal is to stop all capitalism. Yep. And now we're supposed to believe. But just so you guys know, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you ever think they're going to go one half of a pace past this position, we just saw they changed our entire health care system told us it was the solution, the next president in his first term, by the way, they're telling us we have to scrap that system to give you another system, Medicare for all, which not one of them would even co-sponsor in 2013. Not one of them. Only Bernie Sanders would do it in 2013. Now they're all on board. All of them, all of them claimed that it was racist to say someone was socialist. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, they're all claiming that they're socialist, but when we say, yes, finally, what do they say? Well, you misunderstand what socialist means. Right. This is, this is, no, we don't. We don't. The democratic socialists of America themselves have come out and said they are not looking to be Sweden. Sweden itself has come out. The, the, uh, the, the prime minister of Sweden flew to America to hold a press conference to say, by the way, we're not a socialist nation. We have a giant welfare state on top, but we are a free market economy. Okay, now if anybody wants to live like Sweden, you should probably look into it. In Sweden, you don't get to do what you want. You don't gotta you don't get to live where you want. Everybody's not nobody's living in a five thousand square foot mm-hmm. home. 
You're not living like that. You're living in a little teeny apartment. It's a it's a country of about what? 10 million people up until recently, all white. There's no diversity in in Sweden until recently. As soon as they started taking immigration in, now they say, well, there's no unemployment problems in Sweden. No, there there wasn't any unemployment uh, problems. It's down to, I think, point four or, uh, to 4% unemployment for white people, 20% for immigrants. Well, it doesn't seem like your socialist utopia is working, does it? Why? Because there are people that do not want to be Swedish. They don't want to join in and be part of the club. Well, that's the problem with America. America starts to fall apart when people say, I want to celebrate our differences only. And I don't want to uh, rely on what's bringing us together. This idea of America. There has never been a country like America ever if you think that this country is screwed up, go to a country where they're all from there, always been there. It's always been like this. Everybody thinks alike. Nobody's really speaking another language because their parents and their grandparents and their great, great grandparents and everybody's parents and great, 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 great. You can trace them all back from Germany and then Garden of Eden. You look at those places they are just as screwed up, if not more. And yet we have taken all of the immigrants. No country is as diverse as the United States of America. And it has worked. You can't replicate Sweden's successes here, <laughs> whatever they are. And again, what are they? The average uh, living, uh, new living uh, arrangement for someone in Sweden, uh, they live in 902 square feet. 902 square feet is the average new home, quote unquote, home in Sweden. Now, I lived in a 900 square foot apartment in uh, Tampa, Florida, mm -hmm. when we lived down there in Brandon, Florida. Uh, you know, at the time I was making $32,000 a year. And it, well, you know what? It was a nice apartment and I liked it. And, you know, it was not a bad life. However, the average new home in the United States right now is 2,687 square feet. So if you want a Swedish-style country, because everyone's being taxed at 70%, you can have a country in which everyone lives in a moderate-sized apartment, even when you've come to the peak of your earnings life. You can have that world. It, it does exist throughout Europe. They, you know, The Washington Post describes it as the single most successful modern ideology or political movement, so social democracy or democratic socialism. They say communism how? certainly failed, but social democracy has arguably been the single most successful modern ideology or political movement. Where? Wait, wait, Europe? They say, they say Europe at post-World War II, fast growth rates, and they, they go over some of that stuff. Excuse me. Yeah. They, we rebuilt Europe. Yes. With, okay. what, with what money? Theirs? Our money. Oh, okay. And they didn't have to pay for a military. Yeah. Can you imagine if the United States didn't have to pay for its own military, how fast we could have grown? Oh my we still so, outpaced them while we rebuilt them and we provided their military. Yeah. And let's not also ignore the fact that the United States wins basically every Nobel Prize for invention except for israel israel is up there with us israel does well as well especially per yes. capita but we win 
we make we innovate everything with our capitalist system yes then those inventions with american companies get spread around the world those countries aren't doing the research on those things those countries aren't developing these these things they take advantage of what we've created and good for i want that to be the system i want them to take advantage of the things that we've created it's a great system it's why billions of people have been pulled out of poverty but let's not ignore where that came from it came from here not social democracy Social democracy lives on the back of us. Without us, it f- collapses. It, it is. It is. It, it, we. They are a parasite on us in a lot of ways. In a good way, by the way. I'm glad that this symbiotic. Occurs. Yeah, pa- symbiotic parasite. How's that? Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, yeah. Parasite it has a bad connotation. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of species survive this way. Yes. it's not a bad thing. It's not hurting us. I think it's improving us. The fact that we have to do all these things and and these innovations wind up being carried around the globe, ripping again billions of people out of poverty. We've solved so many things that seemed completely unsolvable just a couple decades ago. If America disappeared overnight. So does social democracy. You know what it turns into? Democratic socialism and then socialism and then communism. Because they will, without us, without uh, the success that they have, which again is largely based on innovations that we have created in the United States. And these countries are, they pay for them, but they don't have to pay for the entire research phase. When they're created, they say, oh, we should buy those things. In fact, they don't pay for a lot of the research we still pay the highest price for our own products, our own like prescriptions. Yeah. We are the wealthiest 1%. Mm-hmm. And so we pay the highest rate because we're the ones paying for all of the invention. The rest of the world gets it discounted. And they're the most successful. Oh, it just shows how blind and stupid the people are in the, uh, in the press that write these things. Or how much of an agenda that they are a part of. I mean, it's one of the two. You're either stupid and blind or you are a useful idiot and you know exactly what you're doing. All right. I want to talk to you a little bit about Liberty Safe. If you need something uh, uh, that is protected, guns, prescription medicine, uh, you want to make sure that what you have in pictures, etc., etc., Never taken, never stolen, never burned down in a fire, never lost in a tornado. Oh, poor people. Poor people in the tor- tornado. By the way, Mercury One is on the ground. We need your support. You can go to mercuryone.org and, and help the victims of the tornado. It's gotten wildly cold there. Um, and they are. there's so many homeless. We need your help on that. Um, but Liberty Safe, if, if you had something that you were protecting... And it was sucked up in a tornado. We have seen this happen. It will be picked up in a tornado, and that safe could be three blocks away, but it's still closed. It's nuts how strong these things are. And right now, you can find a Liberty Safe on sale at your local Cabela's. So go to Cabela's and find your Liberty Safe, or you can always see all of the promotions online at LibertySafe.com. That's LibertySafe.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, then, but they are. Yeah. 
We're still we're having ah. this the debate. I just read another story. Um, former Trump White House advisor Sebastian Gorka warned uh, warned attendees at CPAC that backers of the new Green Deal want to take away your hamburgers. Such ominous rhetoric isn't exactly new. I want to I want to take this story and share this with mm. you because they make our point exactly and for some reason you you have to live in this delusional world to not see that you're you're engaged in newspeak and doublespeak but first we want to stop at a happy place how to talk to your family if you're politically split into you're listening to glenn beck Well, you can get that 900 square foot apartment anywhere you want, or you can, uh, of course, go with uh, real estate agents I trust and get a 2,687 uh, square foot home. Yeah, that's always nice. Uh, real estate agents I trust is, of course, a website we've talked about many times. It's uh, a thing I started because I was so frustrated um, with selling my house, and you know, I worked in radio, so it's kind of like a, a gypsy, and tried to find out what. How do you know what a good real estate agent is? Well, we figured it out because I've been working with some of the best real estate agents in the country on another project, and so we decided let's make a website where you can just write in and say who's the best in my area, and we just alert you. We say, hang on, we're going to match you with the best one in your area. That's going to know the price of your home that can sell it fast has good morals and ethics just like you it's real estate agents i trust.com real estate agents i trust the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenbeck program Hey, what do you say we take a break from the world that we're supposed to be in? The the world that we where we have to worry about every tweet and every every remark and and judge whether it's racist or homophobic or whatever. What what do you say we just be people for a minute? If you have a hard time in your own family coming together, if you have friends that you miss, and you want to come back together? We're going to share a story of two people who did just that. And we'll do it in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, let me tell you about Field of Greens. It's appropriate for you to tell people about greens because you're one of America's uh, pictures of health. Right, you're the you're the guy that when you when you think about nutrition, mm-hmm. you think Glenn Beck. It's exactly almost right. people probably think it is literally your middle name, <laughs> Glenn Nutrition. Beck. Yes, uh, but no. you're too young to remember Jack Lalane. But uh, anybody, Jack Lalane, that's me. That's you. Yeah, I'll mm-hmm. be 150 and still be doing all the push-ups that I'm doing today. Really? Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's guaranteed. The exact amount. Exactly the, the exact same amount. amount. Yep. Or you could multiply it by zero and get the yeah. same amount. Which is interesting. Uh, Field of Greens is great because it, it it caters to people like us. People like us who want to eat maybe like some pizza, maybe some dessert, maybe uh, maybe we're not focused on the minerals and vitamins that we might need. Instead, Field of Greens lets, lets you basically cut that corner 
you have i mean this is not their pitch by the way this is my pitch <laughs> my pitch too. Uh, yeah i mean the bottom line is like you can mix it in a anything that you're drinking or even in something that you're eating like a yogurt or something it tastes really good and you get all the 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 basically you get all the stuff your mom told you to eat yeah. without having to actually and eat a salad right they're not sub- supplements that are you know mixed you know by some pharmaceutical company this is the real deal this is the real stuff it's all organic usda um uh fruits and vegetables everything that you need uh, for your servings you have it with one scoop of uh, field of greens brickhouseglen.com use the promo code glen you'll get 15 percent off your first order so you can try it it's brickhouseglen.com promo code glen So Dave Isay is a friend of the program, and uh, he is the founder and president of StoryCorps. And StoryCorps is uh, this amazing thing that usually runs on NPR. And it's, it's, to me, it's tragically sad because it tells an American story. And like everything else, the, wor- the country is divided. And so we have these, we have these American stories and they become the stories of the left or American stories become the stories of the right. No, they're American stories. And uh, Dave has uh, been strong enough uh, to make an appointment with me. I don't know, about six months ago and say, Glenn, we're, we're starting something new and we really want to invite your audience to participate in this. So it's it is an, a truly an American story because we have to start listening to each other. And I welcome uh, Dave, I say to the program, Dave. Glenn, great to be back. Yeah, thanks. What story are you going to share with us today? Uh, I, I think we're we're sharing today the um, as you said, StoryCorps has been around for 15 years. And for um, half a million people who know and love each other have have come and recorded an interview with one another. And we have we started uh, very recently what I came to talk to you about this project, One Small Step, where we're bringing people across the political divides into a StoryCorps booth where these interviews go to the Library of Congress so your great, great, great grandkids can get to know you through your voice and story, building people, bringing people across the divides to the booth. Um, just to remember that uh, that we're people. We're just people. Um, I, I, and I and think, <laughs> Dave, the, the, the secret to this is perhaps that it is being recorded for the Library of Congress. And nobody wants to be remembered as being a jerk 150 yeah. years from now. That's exactly right. I mean, I think part of the secret secret sauce here is that it's in so many ways the opposite of Twitter, um, because you realize that, if you, that you know, this is how your great-grandchildren are going to hear you. So you want to be your best self. And that's who, you know, that's... That's who we are. We're born, you know, we're, we're one of the lessons of StoryCorps is the basic, you know, goodness of people and how similar mm-hmm. we all are to one another. Mm-hmm. So this is, I, I, I thought I'd play a very early one small step test interview uh, uh, today. And this is, um, this is uh, from Boston. Um, and it's a 29-year-old woman named Jen Stanley, who's a writer, and her father, Peter, who works in construction, uh, who's conservative. And uh, they came together. We're focusing now on strangers in One Small Step, but this was a family interview just to see what would happen, uh, what could happen when we put family members together in this safe space to feel free to have a thoughtful and honest conversation. Here it is. I try to not bring up politics, but you always watch the 5 o'clock news. 
and the minute any politician steps on, it doesn't matter who it is. I just cringe. And, Me too. Yeah. But you have to say something, whereas I would like to just pretend it's not happening. So maybe the answer is we don't watch the news when you're there. <laughs> maybe. But now I feel like we've gotten to this point where we're together and we're fighting about politics. And those would be the times when I hear you say, I can't even talk to you, Dad. And if you're going to get so angry and flip out about it, then you know what? I'd rather you didn't talk to me. But see, this is what drives me crazy, though. You start these conversations. Well, I I ask questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? It's me trying to glean information from somebody who is significantly more educated than I am and whose opinions I trust. I'm really surprised to hear you say that. I I had no idea that you were genuinely interested in what I had to say. I thought that you wanted to tell me how I was wrong and also make a joke about how I was silly. Uh, Well, I would never feel that way about you. I have nothing but respect for you. I don't agree with you all the time. I don't agree with you most of the time, but that's okay. We have a lot of things in common, and I do know that everything you did when you were a little kid was because you wanted to be like me. You even played softball, which you hated because I love baseball. I did really hate it. I I mean, I just really worshipped you, Dad. I just thought that, like, everything that you thought and said was right. Mm -hmm. And you were just my best friend. But I think as I got older, I realized that you were really wrong about a lot of things. Well, you're probably right, Jen. I never profess to be right about everything. The important thing in our relationship is that you have your own beliefs and that I respect you for your beliefs. You were raised to be a sensitive, caring person, and that's exactly who you are. You say that, Mm -hmm. and I feel loved. But I will say, I think you used to like me, and I don't necessarily know that you like me anymore. Oh, yeah, I like you a lot. It doesn't make me feel good that you say that. I don't agree with everything you say you do, but... Do I like you? Yeah, you bet I do. And I'm extremely proud of you. You know, when my time comes uh, to say, yeah, my father was a good man. We didn't agree politically, but uh, he was a good man. And if you can say that, then I'll be happy. I don't think that you're right all the time, but I think you're the best man. Well, thanks. And you're the best dad. I bet there's a lot of people that are suffering um, with this and wish they could um, heal the divide. Um, let me ask you this, Dave. Uh, I, I noticed that their language was very different. He never said she was wrong. He said over and over again, I don't agree with you on everything. Um, but she she said several times, and it, and it, it struck me, uh, you know, I found out that you're very wrong on things. Um, did you notice that? And is there is there something to learn from that language? Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't notice that. Um, you, you know, I think what's happening is is that it's two people who are not who are having a conversation that they haven't had before. Um, and you know it could flip you could have you could have the conservative uh person um using that language and the and the liberal person not i th- I think it just happens to be the dynamic in their ages but but what 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 you know what's striking to me do you know which is, do you know which one is which oh yeah okay 
Yeah, so the dad is conservative and okay. the daughter is um, okay. is is liberal. All but right. one of the cool things about these one small step interviews actually is that there, when you when you listen in on these, uh, and and we ask people not to talk about politics. You know yeah. that that what all this all this is about is that Mother Teresa line: "We've forgotten that we belong to each other." Just seeing the humanity in people who we disagree with, and and I actually think of um, I think of the culture of you know you 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 got to this you know a minute ago in the intro with Stu the culture of fear and disgust and division represents, and I don't know if if you agree with me on this, but I've come to think, especially in the last couple of months, it's potentially an extinction-level threat to oh, our I democracy. So. Oh, I, I agree um, with you. And, and and I think that, you know, what it's our job, like with smoking, you know, smoking at one point was thought of as cool and, and sexy and and now being, you know, kind of being at each other's throats is considered cool and, and hip. And, and I think that um, in the same way, we have to start looking at, at the way we're treating each other in this country uh, as, as, as less than human, as, as extremely dangerous and not OK. Um, but if you listen into many of these conversations, uh, you will have no idea who's 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 on what side. Um, they're just people talking to each other in a way that you never hear anymore, which is just being human with each other. How do people get involved in this? So we are still we're still testing. We're hopefully going to go uh, and really start scaling this thing over the next six months. But come to StoryCorp, which is s t o r y c o r p s dot org backslash one small step, um, which is one word StoryCorp.org dot org backslash one small step uh, to sign up, and you'll be on a mailing list. And as we start to roll this out across the country, and um, hopefully, you know, spreading the uh, this this idea that it's our patriotic duty to see the humanity in, in people we disagree with, uh, you will be a part of it, and you'll be on the you know you'll be on the front lines as we as we take this to the country, and and you know again just try and take one small step towards one another again. Dave, thank you so much. Glenn, uh, thank you for having me on. You bet. Dave, I say. I'll talk to you next month. You got it. Uh, he's the founder and president of uh, StoryCorps, uh, and you can follow it at storycore.org. All office chairs are not the same. And I have to tell you, I have the greatest staff in the world. We sent a, um, I had a uh, X chair sent to the studios in Washington, D.C., and those guys, when they found out that I wasn't going to be able to make it to the studios, they sent it down to the floor of CPAC. Oh, my gosh, is that a comfortable chair? Oh, that's great. It is just such a comfortable chair. I'm sitting in it now. It, it, and please, try it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But I, I am telling you, when you lean back in it, you'll, you could fall asleep in this chair. It is, is just as comfortable as any Lazy Boy chair I've ever been in, except it's an office chair. And it has all the bells and whistles, and you can get them at different you know sizes and prices and, and everything else. X-Chair also has just announced that they've made a couple of new modifications to make their chairs even better. A wider seat, because we all have wider seats, um, and, uh, and better wheels with really great ball bearings, blah, 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 blah. It comes with a 30-day, no questions asked, uh, uh, money-back guarantee. Also, you can get new financing options. You can pay as little as $30 a month X-Chair. It's on sale right now. You just go to xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com. You'll get the $100 off. If you use the promo code BECK, you'll also get a free footrest at xchairbeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Boy, the uh, 
the people in um, in Alabama. It, it, this is just such a devastating tornado. Is this really late for a tornado or early? Are tornadoes usually in the summer? I mean, I didn't grow up in, you know, around tornadoes, so I don't know. But usually it, tornadoes are because of hot and cold hitting each other, right? No, they're saying now they're a, uh, what was it, a mile wide? They're saying the devastation it's was nuts. a mile wide for this thing, 170 some odd miles an hour wind. Uh, you know, I mean, it's killed. 23. Yeah, it's a couple dozen people. And I think it's, you know, they th- they still think it's probably going to go a little higher. They say all 23 victims now have been identified um, and they're hoping that it's not going to go uh, anymore. But the youngest victim was six years old. Uh, I mean, brutal. You just look at this, it's just an entire town's just completely wiped out. It's crazy. Out. I, it's uh, the Tornadoes are, I, you know, I've lived all over the country. I've, I lived in the Seattle area when Mount St. Helens went off. Eh. Uh, you know, as long as you're not living on the mountain or where a lava, the lava mm-hmm. can flow. Um, I, I've not lived in California, earthquakes and mudslides. I've lived, I've lived through an earthquake, uh, before scare the hell out of you. But I think tornadoes are the worst. You never know when they're coming, right? They, there's not, you know, cause like hurricanes are a big thing. But, you know, we lived in Florida and, you know, hurricanes were a threat. You have time. But you, have, you at least have a, a, a warning. I and mean, it can be very devastating, but at least you have a warning to get out of the way. There's, especially when they come at night, a tornado coming at night. I mean, you don't even have anywhere close to a, an opportunity to do anything about it. You just bu- hunker down and hope and pray. And, uh, you know, that's all you can do. They're so scary. My kids are so afraid of because the tornado sirens will go off uh, probably once a year um, near our house. Uh, sometimes they've gone off, I think, three times in a season and scares the hell out of the kids. Just scares the hell out of them. Do you have a like separate shelter type of situation? We have one. We have one in the house, um, but it's not a, you know, it's not like a bomb shelter, but we, we can go underneath the house, which is where you're supposed to go. Um, but it's it's terrifying. It's terrifying. People who have built shelters, because uh, I looked into a shelter and I was like, you know, we'll build one right outside the house. They said, don't build it outside of the house, because if you build it outside of the house, you will go in one time and then you'll sit there and you'll wait maybe two times. But you're going to get wet going out of the house, going into the <laughs> shelter. And then what you eventually do is you're like, well, you know what? We'll wait until it gets really bad. Yeah. yeah. And then it's too late. Um, you know, it's interesting, the documentary Twister, um, uh, that <laughs> like, many again, people wasn't, know I, this, it, you know, it shows uh, um, the idea that you could just hold on to a pipe in the middle of a field as you're getting yes. hit by a, an F5 tornado. Sure. Not actually the case. Not huh. actually the case. Now, I know you What if you're following it, a, it with ping pong balls? Well, that's okay. You can definitely that's do okay. that. Okay. That is definitely you'll, how you'll, they study. Okay, good. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is somehow still always there. Yeah. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like it's one of those things uh, that necessarily is a, is a good idea. They, they were talking to a couple um, who was hit by a, a tornado like this several years ago, survived it. And they were saying that we that's what we did. We just tried to hold on to something. And it doesn't matter how hard you hold on to it. It just takes you and throws you across. And they actually were thrown like in the air and survived it. Which is incredible. I mean, when you think about it, you think of that. I mean, that's the thing about tornadoes that are so difficult. We had those tornadoes a couple of years ago that were really devastating mm-hmm. that we talked about. And for those out there uh, chanting global warming at their radios, there is no trend 
In fact, there's a slight decrease in the trend in the amount of hurricane or tornadoes that are hitting our country over the past hundred years. So that's a BS talking point in case you happen to be interested in that. Um, but you, you, you look at a town that is completely devastated and, and dozens of people die and then they show drone footage, they zoom out and the streets right next door are completely fine. Oh, it's crazy. It is insane, insane. how localized it can be. Yeah. And honestly, you're, you know, you're the number one defense against tornadoes is, uh, statistics because it's, it's unlikely you're going to get hit by one. But if you unless do, you live in Moore, Oklahoma, but even if you live in Moore, Oklahoma, I mean, you know, the, your chances are low that you're going to get hit. But, but it seems to, to always get hit. Why? It's a little teeny town. Yeah. Why? It always forms over Moore, Oklahoma. I, I, when I went to see Moore, when it was really devastated the last time um, we went out and did you go with me still? No, I did not. So uh, I went out and we drove all night to get there to get supplies and water and, you know, everything else. And uh, we got there, and on one side of the street, complete and total devastation. Nothing was left. Mm. And my grandfather used to talk. He grew up in uh, Iowa, I think. And he said tornadoes used to come through. And he said it, they would. the winds were so strong that they would drive straw and drive them into the telephone poles. And sides of barns would have straw sticking out of it. And I found that so hard to believe and, and understand growing up. And when I went to Moore, it had taken the house across the street and made it into a pulp and sprayed right across the street, sprayed this whole side of this movie theater with this pulp that was somebody's life just a few minutes before. Mm. And everything on that side of the street was fine, except it was covered in this two inches of pulp. That was a house. I mean, it's incredible to see the power of these things. Yeah, more Oklahoma has been hit by, uh, I mean, depends on how you calculate major, right? But since 1999, they had one in 1999 that killed 36 people, injured 583. Then two, 2003 had a tornado that uh, injured 134. 2010 had a tornado that killed two, injured 49. 2013 had a tornado that killed 24 and injured 212. I think that's the one I was at. Yeah, that's probably the one you were at. That was, I mean, I remember that one. But I mean, that's f- since 1999, four major, you know, tornadoes. Why, why, why? If the yeah, insurance I mean, company's giving you money, why, why live in more Oklahoma? Why? But again, like, look at this. You're talking, how many, I mean, I don't know the population of more off the top of my head, but you're talking about uh, 62 people in 20 years that died from tornadoes still but you have a tornado coming through i mean how many tornadoes have you had i've never had a tornado come anywhere in my town since we've lived here i don't think that's i mean there have been maybe not in your town but in our area they have been we're talking about town two three four five six seven there's been eight since 1999 and i will say one two three Three of them were very minor, F-Zero or F-1s. There was an oh. AF-2 as well. So, I mean, really, they've had I they've prefer had to live in a major town. since I'd like the, to the live years. in a town with zero. Well, yes. I, I, of course, zero. zero is the right number. <laughs> I how get about, it, but if you love about, your town... You know. How about one? How about two? How about not as much as more Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Glenn.
back. It's not a crazy listen, point. I, no, uh, listen, if you're living in Moore, Oklahoma, real estate agents I trust, <laughs> you can go there and they will help you sell your home. They'll help you sell your home for the most amount of money, but you have to do it when everybody's kind of lulled into this false sense of hur- hurricanes, tornadoes. What, what, what tornado in this area? We've learned three keys of success. Selling or buying a home, very complicated, so you have to have somebody who has a long track record and really knows what they're doing. Second, they have to know the market value because algorithms won't work. You have to actually know the neighborhood. You have to know how much the the houses are going for in that area and what your specific house can get so it's priced right, and you have to trust them. That's why we have realestateagentsitrust.com. Let us introduce you to the right real estate agent to sell your home fast and for the most amount of money. Realestateagentsitrust.com. BlazeTV.com slash Beck is the place to go to get the Glenn Beck program. Pat Gray, Mark Levin, Stephen Crowder. Use the promo code Beck and get 10 bucks off. So Stu and I are having an argument now about uh, the safest place to live. And uh, I say it's, uh, you know, my town, Mount Vernon, Washington, or Bellingham, Washington, where I grew up. And, uh, and he's and like, you were wrong, completely wrong. It's third, third best <laughs> in the country. Because you were like, well, come on, it has extreme weather. Every no. place has something. No, it, there's no extreme weather in Washington state. There's no extreme weather. It's just always rainy. Always. Right. Always. Well, it gets some snow. It gets cold. It gets below 32 degrees in Washington yeah, State. So it gets four inches of snow once in a while. Once in a blue moon, you get 12, 12 inches of snow. Oh, that's a lot. It's very slippery. Everybody just stays uh, at home. Then it melts. We even get snow here. And we're in <laughs> freaking Texas. Yeah, actually, they list Dallas as the worst in the nation. The w- what? Yeah, they say lots of every, uh, lots of almost everything but quakes. They have twisters, hurricane remnants, hail, wind, drought, and floods. Yeah, no mudslides. You know what, guys? You shouldn't move to Texas. I guess that's the uh, that's the answer. Um, yeah, especially if you're from California. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's the southeast that is really the the biggest problem. I mean, I remember, you know, look, I moved here for the weather. Uh, mainly, uh, forget you and your stupid yeah, show. I, I came here because of the weather. Uh, we 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 did not do our research on weather. Oh, we just I, listen to God. Where should we move? Dallas. I did plenty of research about weather uh, before coming here, uh, and I love it. I, hate I it. love the weather here. But I hate the weather here. Why? It's either cold or hot. It, it has like one day. We're, we're, we'll have it in probably April or May where it's like, oh, my gosh, open the windows. It's beautiful. This Friday, the high is 79. 79 this Friday. And then tomorrow, the next day, it could be 40. It could be. Yeah. It could be a lot of things, Glenn. <laughs> but it, it usually be. is. It's very cold here now. It's like in the 30s right now. Yeah. And then, um, it, and then it gets, so it goes from cold Without really snow or anything, you know, if you have anything extreme, it's ice. That's not fun. Without any, there's no sanding Mm -hmm. for the roads. They don't have a salt truck. They have nothing. (laughs) If it has ice on the road, stay home or you're dead until the sun comes out. And it could be 80 the next day. It still could be 12. And then in the summer, it's like 100 and, you know, 102, 103 with humidity. 
This is this is a, a mass misstatement of fact here. No. If he's this accurate on, uh, I might I might vote for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez for president <laughs> if this is your level of analysis, uh, because uh, you know you know look you it's much better here in the winters than it was up north. You don't well, get yeah. the, well, you don't get the uh, the cold. Uh, you get I mean you get a few days a year where it gets around 30, 30 degrees, but that was like the best day no, of the like, freaking year. Right, I know that I know that. So I'm not comparing it to New York or to the Northeast. That sucks. Everybody knows that. Well, sucks. that's where we moved from. Why I wouldn't know, you be comparing sucks. it? Well, if you're going to move someplace, why don't you move to had. someplace like Arizona where it's nice? Oh, because Arizona doesn't get hot. That's true. No, Arizona gets hot, but the the other six months out of the year, it's paradise. No, it's very nice. It's I, I, paradise. As long as it's warm, I could deal with it. I mean, because I'm get, not moving to California, and that's perfect. I disagree. It doesn't get warm enough in California. We went out in California. I took a vacation, a summer vacation to San Diego, which San Diego is awesome. I like San Diego. It was too cold to even go in the pool. It was like oh, 70. What did I want a summer. You just don't like the wind. I, and no, you it was probably cold. don't like it. It was cold. At night? When it's 70 degrees outside as a high temperature, it's not swimming weather. Not to me. I'm a wuss. I want it to be, right. I want it to be 95 degrees. Oh. I could just hop in the pool. It's beautiful. You oh. get out. You go inside of the air conditioning. The average it's, temperature in San Diego is 77 degrees, and it is perfect. Perfect. It's got a nice it's breeze. Summer, I like it's a great day. It's I like summer. the Pacific Northwest. I like the eat with the West Coast where there's no humidity. You got a nice breeze going all the time. And at night, even if it's blistering hot during the day, it's not at night. The sun goes away and it somehow or another cools down here in Texas. Mm. The sun goes away and it's still 100 degrees. And now you're like, what? what's happening here? Let me tell you why the sun goes away, because Kim Jong-un has just fired a nuclear weapon and it can hit you. <laughs> That's how it goes away. It becomes nuclear winter. You like that? That's your option there. We're in the middle. Nobody can reach us. Nobody can get to Dallas. It's way too far for missiles. It's <laughs> exactly what I'm believing for the rest you of keep my using life. The word "safe," I do not think it means what you think it means. It is actually listed as the worst. I mean, we do get tornado warnings sometimes. Hail for sure. It's a yeah. big deal here. Wind, oh yeah, it's really windy. Drought, sure. Floods, yeah. I mean, I yeah. 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 Uh, and hurricane remnants. I mean, you're you're stretching yeah, with hurricane you're really remnants. Straight, yeah. it's, it, it rains. It Houston gets hit really hard with a hurricane, and then it rains. In ta- in yeah, Dallas. we're not affected by. It. Yes, we do get rain from hurricanes, but please, it helps us with the drought. <laughs> what you're complaining about everything now? I'm a little depressed. That's why I'm taking uppers to get rid of the downers. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, geez. So I don't know. I guess I guess you're right, though. It does look like uh, the Pacific Northwest is the place to avoid extreme weather but then you have to then you have to deal with all of the progressives and the socialists and the crazies and the anarchists and the and the people who were rejected by california california told most of those people get out you're too <laughs> weird oh i think it would be the reverse no all the rejects all the rejects from california that went down like i am just gonna like live and then they got down there and they're like oh my gosh uh, this is just so fake and so then they went up to california uh, went up to oregon mm-hmm. and they were like the people in uh portland uh, they don't mean it and so then they moved to Seattle, and you can't go any farther north. And that's when Canada built the wall. Yeah, that's when Canada, they got the peace arch, that mm-hmm. bull crap that's a peace arch. That's, <laughs> keep your progressive hippies out of our country. That's what that is. I don't understand. Those policies are working so well, Glenn. Uh, like, for example, the $15 minimum wage. 
a uh, huge success in Seattle. Really? Doing really well. Now, every what's Democratic candidate has embraced it as mm-hmm. part of their platform, yeah, except for Bernie Sanders. I will say Bernie Sanders said at least $15 at least. minimum wage. Yeah. Because um, that's an old school proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a new study out about New York City who got to uh, $15 minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, there's a, and, and honestly, mm-hmm. that's a city that needs one. I disagree with that completely, but I do understand what your no, no, point I, I, is. Saying, that it's yeah, I'm place. not saying that you need a mm-hmm. minimum. I don't believe in that. Pay the pay what you what the market bears. But compared to, you know, Des Moines, it does not need a fifteen dollar wage. New York, it is hard to live on fifteen dollars. There are places that are going to have a fifteen dollar minimum wage. That that's that's a lot of money for that market, right? I mean, there should not be a. We've made this point many times. Should not definitely not be a federal minimum wage. No. I don't. I, I don't think minimum wages do anything for the economy or for people so. anyway. Yeah. But at least you can argue it if you're right. gonna if you're gonna customize it to an area. Right. The idea that you go to fifteen dollar minimum wage nationally is completely insane. Uh, in uh, Washington, excuse me, in New York. The $15 minimum wage uh, has been implemented. It's ramping up now. And as it ramps up, uh, the New York restaurant industry has only experienced the worst decline in restaurant jobs since... Recorded time. (laughs) You'd think. (laughs) The depression. Well, I mean, most people would say... 2008 depression right mm-hmm. like we had a, a major recession in 2008 uh all employment went down dramatically and it did go down in new york with the restaurant uh situation but no this goes back to 9-11 for new york so wow. 9-11 if you remember um half of new york, the island yeah. half the island was closed right <laughs> that was pretty much it uh and in fact the last two 2008 and 2001 were the last two drops both, of course, occurred in real recessions. Now, as of right now, we don't think we're in a recession, although the possibility of one seems to uh, rise in probability kind of uh, by the day. However, uh, this drop was more dramatic than even the 2008 financial collapse. And that's just because, uh, you know, hey, they wanted to give uh, a little bit more money uh, to the average worker to make a living wage. And it made so it how is that kill- so good. Wait, how is that killing restaurants? Well, restaurants have to pay these amounts. Yeah, they just charge more. Yeah, no, apparently not. Apparently, that's not working out. They're just letting they're letting what? people go. And the, the people other, of New York yeah. don't want to pay more. Yeah, and I think was it Cuomo that just came out and said, "By the way, you know, here's the other side of the fun millionaire taxes we've been having. They've all left the state. All the millionaires have left, and now we're two point four billion dollars short than where we thought we were going to be with tax revenue." Because the millionaires are ditching us and going to other states where they don't get, you know, uh, attacked. Remember, they're talking about a millionaire tax of 70 Mm percent. Wasn't that the exact percentage that France said that they were going to put on their million millionaires? Remember, they they did this. So, yeah. And Gerard Depardieu and all these people left and went to Russia, went to Russia. That's how bad it is. And said, fine, you're going to do that. I'm going to Russia. And they left. And it caused all kinds of misery in in France, and so they repealed it. This is the problem when your your policies aim to punish the most mobile and uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. affluent people around. They can mm-hmm. all go wherever the hell they want. And when you tell them we don't like what you do, there there quote unquote shouldn't be any billionaires. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is proposing a wealth tax, which almost certainly is unconstitutional as to, as to basically every uh, legal expert and constitutional expert uh, because you know the 16th amendment specifically 
made it so you could not go after these types of property, but you know she's going to try it anyway. Bottom line is, uh, you keep targeting people like this, they're going to want to leave. And if you target, uh, it's easy to target poor people because where are they going to go? Right? Like you could target them with a soda tax, no problem. If that affects them. Oh, sure, you can collect all your money. Now, of course, that's also going to uh, destroy businesses as well, but at least you can, you can collect your cash from the poor who want to buy their soda for cheaper prices. That's a wonderful, a wonderful uh, aspiration. But when you go after millionaires, they just leave you. They're like the hot girlfriend. When you well, start treating them like that crap, they just why, go to somebody else. That's why you have to crack down on them. That's why you have to force them. Okay, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, exactly, yeah. The government is essentially right. Harvey Weinstein. Exactly right. In this particular case. Well, otherwise, I mean, we got to do it. We got to punish them. We got to keep them here. Otherwise, I mean, they just want to destroy everybody with their... Their selfish action. Mm, I hate those bastards. Uh, ZipRecruiter, with unemployment at record lows, figuring out how to find the right employee is becoming a major headache for companies. Isn't that a great problem to have? I mean, as a nation? Yeah. I mean, again, like we're complaining about the minimum wage on certain cities that have, have upped, it, upped it this high. The, the, the economy as a whole, though, it's a good job market. It's booming. There's a lot of positives. For the very first time, um, people are actually getting a raise. Um, a, an actual raise, one that is greater than inflation. And this is, hasn't happened in a couple of decades. Anywhere, anyway, there is a place where you can uh, go and find exactly the right person for your job, a qualified candidate at ZipRecruiter.com. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. They also take their powerful matching technology, and they scan thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job as as the applications come in they go another step and they actually highlight and spotlight the top candidates so you never miss the great match because you don't have time to just wade through a bunch of meaningless resumes you need help zip recruiter does it it's so effective that 80 percent of employers who post on zip recruiter get a quality candidate through the site in the first day Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. It's the smartest way to hire. Try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, we just have to start uh, making a list of all the madness and just keep track of it. I urge you to keep a diary of just the things that are just just how crazy uh, life has gotten. Because at some point, uh, it, the ship will right itself and we'll look back at these times and go, I, I, I can't believe that. For instance, um, uh, right now they're making a uh, Serena Williams uh, movie. Yeah, Serena and Venus, yeah. and and they're gonna do uh, sort of biopic of them. Mm-hmm. The father, uh, they've uh, looks like it's gonna be Will Smith who's gonna get the role. Well, does it? Does it? Is it really? Is he the right one to play it? Well, they, there is some complaint about that mm-hmm. um, from uh, from people who say um, <clears throat> uh, he's he's too light skinned to play Venus and Serena's father. Now he is black. Yes, uh, he's just not black enough. Not black enough. Mm-hmm. And now, as, is that something that makeup could take care of, or is it actually even important for that? No, it certainly wouldn't. I mean, because, see, this is what you don't understand. 
we need to judge people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. Right. And and that is something that we're doing here mm-hmm. because as, we, as, as, as the experts are pointing out, mm-hmm. colorism matters. Uh, sorry? Colorism matters. Glenn. Colorism. Yeah. Will Smith might be a great actor, but he's not the exact shade of skin color that is uh, Venus Williams' father. But he is black. He is black. They didn't hire a white guy. Or an Asian guy to play but Will Smith. why not hire a, a white guy? It's the same thing. Same thing. I mean, isn't Will Smith white? I mean, getting so jiggy we... with it was never a term anyone outside mm-hmm. of a white, uh, out of a shopping mall ever Amen. used. Amen. Uh, Amen Will 2K? I mean, he actually right. did a song uh, with like Rock the Casbah in the background mm-hmm. ce- celebrating mm-hmm. a, a new year. I so, mean, that is only something a white person would know, do. You know, I think that all of the casting agencies, if they don't have the color, if they don't have the Sherman Williams color wheel, mm-hmm. yes, they could just open up and go, let me see which shade mm-hmm. exactly. That's, it, yeah, I need more of a taupe. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, let me give you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was in uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, a mm-hmm. movie about golf. Oh, let, 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 let me just be diverse enough to allow you on this country club. The, Will Smith is a white guy playing a black guy in his personal life, but not able to play a black guy who's black enough to be Venus and Serena Williams' father. And I think we all know this. This is colorism at its worst. Or its best. Or its, its best. best. I, I, I choose to look at it as best, Stu. If we're living in that postmodern world right now, this is, it's about time somebody gets that color wheel out. This is this is Martin Luther King's dream come true. If he could just think of a future in which black people would hold up a color wheel to other black people to see if they're black enough to play roles. That is what this man dreamed about. It's what he fought for. Yeah. It's why he walked on, Mar- yeah. on Washington. Yeah. I, I have a dream that my kids can play with other kids whose skin color is exactly the right shade. Yes, that's what he said. Yeah. That's in yeah. one of his speeches. I, it, it Not wasn't, too dark. Not too dark. It wasn't a highly too publicized right. speech. It was one of yeah. the lesser known yeah. uh, chapters in the book of Martin Luther King's life. Right. Uh, but he was he would be thrilled, I think, that people are just looking to see, is that black actor black enough to play a black person? I don't know. You're listening to Glenn.